Inside Out with Turner and Seth. And the light is growing brighter now. Well, Turner and your Terrapin. Welcome back, Turner. How are you? I am excited to uh, share a snippet of this interview with our new listeners, because I know we have a ton of them based on the way our numbers have skyrocketed. Yeah, and I give a lot of credit there to Live for Live Music. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I want to talk about some articles that I've been enjoying, but we'll get to that in just a minute. First, I got to talk about my boy, Bob Dylan, dude. Hey, Bobby. By the way, can we first mention, I'm back in Atlanta, baby. Oh, yeah. It's I'm nice sitting to have you, in front of you, it's right? nice to have you in front of me. I I'm know. I'm sitting in front of you. Well, you've been sitting in front of me for an hour with a little piss scowl on your face. It's because, uh, you know. You left too much shit at the house. I'm scattered, my smothered, laptop, and covered. The mic stands. Hey, I fixed your laptop. By the way, this guy doesn't know how to get on the internet, but that's a whole other story. I know two people you just made laugh. Oh, uh, so Turner, I'm sitting in front of you back in Atlanta after Mexico. Before I go back to Mexico, we're doing this in front of each other, not over the phone. I got one word for you. What? Triplicate. That's three words. Triplicate. That's three words. Triplicate. That's three times. Bob Dylan is putting out a triple album of standards. What? That's not standard. But it's bittersweet. Ooh, the motel. Because here's the deal, dude. Back in the 90s, he put out two acoustic albums of, of traditional songs, World Gone Wrong and Good As I've Been to You. And the third of that, supposedly, was going to be with Jerry Garcia. And the studio time was booked for the fall of 1995. Eek, 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 eek. Just after Jerry passed. But anyways, the point being, this is the third of the series of Bob's, you know, 20 years later. I guess, would that be 20? Yep, 20 years later, on standards. He's had two previous albums. Mostly Sinatra stuff. Apparently this triplicate, which is going to be three albums of Dylan singing standards. Dylan singing? Yeah. I, I, I kind of think this type of music lends itself to what Dylan's voice is now. You're not going to, when you go see Dylan, it's not going to be a rock and show. It's going to be like the best lounge music you've ever heard in your entire freaking life. Everybody orders wine. Anyways, I'm very excited about triplicate. Thank you, Bob. Bob is your Elvis. That's true. Oh, my God. You pulled out an oldie there. Yeah, and goldie, you know. But I do want to say one thing. I went for a walk with Amy and Kelly. Who? Amy is your wife. Oh, okay. Kelly is our good friend Ethan's wife, and um, and their kids, Macy, and your kid, Daryl. And oh, my God, dude. I watched Daryl essentially learn how to... I mean, he, it wasn't the first time he had ridden a bike, but when I got there, he was kind of shaky with it. And your wife... 
hung over him without being overbearing, like really walked that line of, of keeping her, her attention focused on him, but not being in his face too much and just suggesting you stuff here and there. And I was kind of chiming in, but really it was Amy. And my God, dude, I sent you videos. Yeah. You, you could did. see Thank the improvement you. in the videos I sent you. In, like in one hour, the motherfucker learned how to ride a bike. Yeah. My, 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 motherfucker my, learned how to ride a bike. My wife happens to be a really good mother. Really good mother. Anyway, though, so back to the music stories and news. What um, let's let's you know what, Rob? Why don't we check in with Live for Live Music? There's a lot of stuff on their site, a lot of new stuff going on. Why don't we uh, dip in there a little bit? I've been paying more and more attention to it lately, of course. But first of all, I like their article on the Revivalists. A band, if you don't mind me saying, is really stepping into stepping into it big time. I mean, they're they're one of the bands that. You see that are going to you know hitting the the circuit the Jimmy Fallon you know the night the night the what do you call it, the night TV uh, hello oh sorry I'm plugged <laughs> hello well uh, the point being that they that, 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 that they uh, can appeal to a jam audience and they're efforting to uh, create a backlog of material where they can range of shows you know offer a different show every night but they're also appealing to uh, you know stepping more, out and beyond a mass audience but the thing is the doors wide open for them it's that secret ingredient that bands get it's the it's the opportunities that you're like how did that band get that it's well, not some a- of it's secret but i mean they have an excellent front man and that goes a long way let's yeah. face it let's yeah, be real and the band's tight too um, of course the band is outstanding but good god dude they have an excellent front man and often, david shaw is definitely a good front man a lot There's of people no who question. are casual about all this music stuff they go to a festival and they get back home they remember the revivalists yeah. because David Shaw worked the fucking worked room. It sat down on the stage, looked at the girl right in front of her eye, right, whatever. You get my point. The, the The band has a lot of opportunities right now, and things are working for them. And mark my words, you're, this band is going to be triple their size uh, in about a, in so, a year. So this writer, I loved this line here. Please do tell. It was an intimate scene, the type that energizes musicians and spoils fans. That is so fucking true. Especially, we're just talking about Bob Dylan. When Bob Dylan plays the small rooms, mm-hmm. first of all, he gets so expressive and so focused and plays some of his greatest shows that way. And also, fans, then when you go the next night to the arena show, it's like, you're still psyched, but it's like, oh, last night we saw him. Love that. And I'm going to read it again. It was an intimate scene, the type that energizes musicians and spoils fans. The revivalists opened with Keep Going, and to the band's surprise, they were met with a crowd of true fans that wanted to see them, specifically, as opposed to simply catching some live music on a weeknight. I'm, I'm curious to, to know how we, how we knew that. I'd love, to, I'd love to hear more detail on that. I agree. I agree. I think that uh, that really does lead me to want to know more about the band and actually see them live, but I'm curious to know about that night specifically, what created that moment? And, uh, Mort, can I do another Live for Live music story? Yeah, roll them out, man. Because we have an interview in the can, as you will. Mm-hmm. Do you know that term, Seth? Yeah, it's the one that was uh, highlighted, bold, and underlined on the sheet I gave you today. Yeah, absolutely. I know what you're talking about. Well, that was about the toilet problem, wasn't it? Oh, different can. Can you continue? One of the interviews we have, which actually was broadcast live on Facebook, thanks to the fine folks at not at Jam Cruise at what is it? Cloud Nine. Cloud Nine. Um, Adventures. If they if they want me to remember the name, they can invite me on the fucking Jam Cruise. What uh, we interviewed Eric Benny Bloom, and he was part of a little event that uh, Live for Live Music hipped us to, which also involved Ti, who's a fixture here in Atlanta, particularly so- the Atlanta Hawks games. Ti is so- a rapper. 
What? what? I've, I've met him so, at Hawks games. Really, what, really what, nice guy. What, what, so, and Dave Chappelle, a comedian who ran away from Comedy Central, curiously, and is very talented guy. But that is still curious to me. I will not. That was not cool. He ran pretty he far. Fin- he should have finished that season and then done it. That was weak ass move. But he does these legendary epic. He breaks the rules of comedy. You say epic. Yes, and I'm going to back it up because in general, comedians, the rule is 75 to 90 minutes. Chappelle's not afraid to go out there and do a three-hour show. There's not many comedians that will do that. Yeah. And he improvises, too, kind of like a, a black Jackie Mason. Blackie Mason. Blackie Mason. Hashtag Blackie Mason. I love so, it. So, New Orleans is certainly, this is Kendall Deflin. New Orleans is certainly known for their impromptu jams, taking place on all sorts of street corners at all hours of the day and night. Last night, it was Dave Chappelle and rapper T.I., that engaged with fellow New Orleans, Louisiana musicians for an enormous jam session outside of rare form on Frenchman Street. Lettuce's trumpeter Eric Benny Bloom and saxophonist Chris Royale. It is Royale, right? It's not Royal, or is it Royale? You know these guys. Uh, that's a saxophonist. That's not the uh, lettuce. Great answer. Great answer. It says lettuce trumpeter and Eric Benny Bloom and saxophonist Chris Royale. It's live for live music. They they wouldn't get lettuce to say it wrong. They're like the lettuce news source. Continue. So you don't know. No, that's a... You're really tight with them, aren't you? (laughs) We're part of the jam, following their show with Danny Abel and friends at the Maison. So anyways, they give us a couple little videos, which are short, but they're on-stage videos. Pretty cool. And where can they find that? Oh, yes. Uh, Watch Dave Chappelle and T.I. hop in on impromptu rubber band ma'am jam in New Orleans. That's the title, and it was on Live For Live Music. So their saxophonist is Ryan Zoidis. Is that what you're trying to say, Zoidis? Or you said Royale. I don't know who Royale is. That's not... Their sax player is Ryan Zoidis. All right, then the writer must have gotten confused or something. Or maybe someone misinformed him. You never know. I don't know. So speaking of informing... Go ahead, One one more, because this was the crowning jewel for me, because I'm a fan of this radio show called Morning Becomes Eclectic. KCRW. No, dude, I'm serious. Say it again. Morning becomes eclectic. <laughs> One more time. Morning becomes eclectic, eclectic, eclectic. It's a legendary uh, show where many, 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 many musicians have gone on there and performed. I think including uh, Bar Brothers, my precious Bar Brothers. But Jim James uh, was in there and lived for live music. Thanks to them, that's the reason I knew about it. And they have the whole video here on the article, and a nice little article. Jim James opens up during this stunning in-studio performance. Look for that on Live For Live Music. By the way, the Revivalist one, if you want to find that one, that title is uh, that title is articled, The Revivalist Heat Things Up for a Sold-Out Performance in Sacramento. That's how it's articled, that title. Article, I love it. Uh, one thing before we get into the Corotta thing, I wanted to mention a thing, thing, ding, ding, ding. Are you ready for this one, Rob? Oh, my God. I'm on the edge of my uh, sliding office chair. One of our favorite up-and-coming bands, Great Peacock. They have a forthcoming album, their second album, and they are fan cr- uh, sourcing it, crowdsourcing it uh, at Indiegogo.com. If you in- First of all, go back and check Great Peacock out on our on our podcast and then please check their website out great peacock go on facebook check them out uh and and look at their 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 crowdfunding because this band is great and i'm really excited to hear what this new album could be in and i also support the whole crowdfunding idea so go ahead rob if you're a fan of this podcast and by the way thank you so much and we notice you can tell by the numbers we've got some regular new regular listeners and we just want to tell you that we kind of turned a corner in the great peacock episode it was episode 10 and that was where we kind of started hitting our stride as interviewers, I, I do believe. Would you agree? 
that that's one of my still one of my favorite interviews because it was a real conversation, real relaxed, and you really got the essence of the two musicians we were talking to. The Great Peacock, uh, yeah, episode ten. That that episode though, in in what you're saying. To describe that to our listener would be, you know how when you're listening to our podcast and sometimes you feel, this is the comments I've gotten, so I'm going to repeat the comment in a another way. I get, I get, uh, where people, I'll show up and go out with someone and they'll be like, I just listened to your podcast and I'm already a little sick of you and now I get to hang out with you? Oh, what I get, well, I get that from my wife, but uh, what I get is um, folks that are like, wow, you know, I'm listening to this and I feel like I'm sitting in the couch with you all and then I and I sometimes start jumping in in the conversation and I realize that I'm not in the conversation, I'm listening. That and is, the Great Peacock is that kind of that thing. That is high praise. I, I find that very high. And, and that I've is, gotten that, we've gotten that great. a couple times and to me that's that made me, then it was around Great Peacock that, that started happening and I really, really appreciate that because that's what we're striving for. So, But to start the shapeshift toward the Kuroda interview, as a podcast, we're very thankful for two things mostly at this point in our career. First of Number all, one. Colonel Bruce Hampton. And second of all, Number two. the theme song of this show, Light. And I'll tell you why, Light. Because it started with Jefferson Waffle going out of his way while on tour, at his own expense, I might add, to come to Atlanta to do one of our first episodes. <coughs> I'm not going to say cause and effect, but curiously, a week or so after the Jefferson Waffle episode aired, you received an email, or I guess we did, I just wasn't checking him at that point, from Chris Carota. And that turned into a, you know, a really big episode for us. So, we have Colonel Bruce Hampton and Light to thank. Absolutely. Now, here's the deal. This, this interview, if you go back and, li- and listen to the original episode, uh, which is episode 18... He talks a lot about the new light rig. It's it's a big chunk of the episode. So if you want to hear yeah, about the, the new light rig. By the new light rig, we're uh, talking video. video. He incorporated video elements, and he did also um, evolve the light show to incorporate. It's, it's, it's fascinating, all that's available to him. Um, but we wanted to focus on a couple little parts of the interview. Even those of you might have missed if you had listened to it, because they're at the end. And those of you who are new, you know. Check it out. Check it out some other parts of the interview. And if you want to hear about the new video elements, go back and listen to the original episode. So, uh, you know, take a little... Uh, take, take a So, l- uh, take a little... Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? Instead of drinking a, that, that thick uh, IPA you got, why don't you try a light beer for this episode? Uh, I gotta have this belly, man. It's not gonna happen on its own. That's right. All right, speaking of bellies, ladies and gentlemen, here's some clips for you.
before we lose you, let's just go back to the beginning real quick. When you did land the job, and now you're in the position of job. the working with fish. Okay. And now you're in the position of scheming, budgeting, putting it together, but you didn't really know lights at the time. How was that learning curve? How did you how did you work through that? We all worked through it together, actually. <laughs> I mean, back when I first started there was no such thing as budget. We had bought some lights and that's what we had. Yeah, Trey, you were at Wetlands and Trey kind of spontaneously bought them, right? Yeah, pretty much. And then, and then, you know, we started getting a little more popular and playing some bigger rooms and realized that what we had wasn't ample anymore. So we traded in for a bigger and better system. And then uh, learned a lesson really early on that uh, you want to lease lights and rent lights as opposed to buy them. As soon as you own them, they become obsolete. Especially when we moved into the moving light world and away from the parkhand world. So at that point, we started getting lighting vendors like we do today and renting real little systems that they'd provide a couple of techs and that kind of thing. And that's when budgets came into play. And um, you just sort of got given a number and had to work within it. I always come in over budget. And then I always end up over budget because I get a little more flexibility from the people creating the budgets to say, all right, this was our ceiling. You're not too far over it. Okay, if you say it's going to look good, we'll go there. So it wasn't a light budget. It was not a light budget. (laughs) So, But initially, you're a crew member like anyone else, but at some point, you're a creative part of the band. You stop doing your own loadout, that sort of thing. When, when did that change take place? Oh, probably around 1994, give or take. Around when? 1994. And how did the other crew members react to suddenly you not being involved in the, in the loadout? It, um, not, not badly. I mean, everyone has their job, you know what I mean? And the lighting designer has his role. I mean, it's a give and take. All right, maybe I'm not pushing cases and loading trucks, but I'm staying till six o'clock in the morning in many places doing overnight programming when everyone leaves at 6 p.m. to go have dinner and enjoy their evening. So, you know, every role is different on a tour. The guitar tech has his responsibilities. The lighting designer has his. A lot of your guys have been with you for a long time, right? These these guys you're talking about, a lot of these cats that you've been working with you have been with you for a long time. Yeah, we have a core crew of people. There's about seven or eight of us that have been here for 20-plus I'm, I'm in the middle of my 28th year with Fish. So. Wow. And I'm a little light naive. You used to have two assistants setting stuff up for you. Now you, you're back to doing it on your own. What, what was that? Oh, I have, I have one gentleman. His name's Andrew Giffen. Okay. He's my programmer. Uh, he helps me design. He's, he's my right arm. You okay. know, over time, he's become my right arm. I rely on him for a lot of different things, and he always comes through. He's, he's an amazing human being, an amazing programmer. An amazing worker. Um, he always meets his deadlines. He, he works his ass off, and um, he always comes through with any requests I have of him. He's a Grand MA2 genius, and if I ask him to make the lighting or program something that the console might not be able to do, like he'll off, I'll say I wanted this, I want to do that. He'll go, Chris, the console doesn't work that way. I, it, you can't do that. But give me a minute. And he'll go in and rewrite the code. He knows all the programming on the root level of the of the code, like I said. And 
He'll come back in a day or two and go, okay, I, I figured it out, what you wanted to do. I've now made the console do what you're asking it to do. Jailbreaker, Let's write that's these amazing. That's, that's, that's crushed. Sort of like that. Yeah, sort of like a jailbreak in a way. Um, he, he's a pretty amazing human being, and I definitely could not do half the things I do without him. He He's the sort of architect of the technical and the fish lighting. So. And is it ever coming from the band to you and then you to, to him kind of, does it oh, process that way? Oh, certainly, you know, that, that does happen. Um, I, have a, I have a lot of freedom with the band to uh, light how I want to light, but there are also some, you know, very basic rules that I won't get into right now about what not to do, so. Can you give us one? Um, the, it's grow. Don't try to be the lighting guy you were in 1995. Grow to be more mature. Light more maturely. Slow down. Don't be so hyper. Right. Don't like strobe in every song. Like, let it breathe. There, over the 25, 28 years, whatever it's been, there are discussions like that where we get together and the mantra is, we're growing grow with us, you know. Seth mentions the audience. I got to ask this while I have you there because you're up there. You're not in cans. You're listening to the house, right? Correct. As the years have gone by, when they play quietly, the crowd these days can get a little chatty. Does that impact them? Do they Are they aware of that? And are they a little more reticent to get into quiet spaces as a result? Um, I couldn't answer that saying that I know the answer, but I'd imagine that they're aware of the chattiness. And, you know, there there are times when, depending on if we have the right audience in front of us, everyone will be so silent you could hear a pin drop. And then there are other situations where they're all talking it up and that kind of thing. Right. Giant festival like this, probably a lot of talking. Sure, you, you can't you expect that at a festival. Club with a lot of beer drinking, right. probably a lot of talking. But like but, dicks? Is that a quiet crowd? Uh, they're a bunch of dicks. What's the matter with you? That's a big crowd, so, you know, they can be quiet. Arenas. They tend to be oh, quiet man. in arenas, so. Nice to, nice to hear him acknowledge the uh, 
increasing chattiness. Yep, and there's also some chattiness in the background. So uh, that was just a reminder, folks. We were chatting with him backstage at Lockin. So yeah, that's... you can hear the whole story. Listen to the original episode. We'll yeah. tell you the whole story. It was, but... it was a little bit of a, a thing finding mm. a place to interview him. And this next clip, though. Well, no, wait. One, oh, one, okay, one more thing. Um, it was funny that. Uh... <laughs> It's, it's just cool to hear about the old days. I didn't want him. I didn't want him to go into this preset kind of response kind of thing. So we wanted to try to get specific things because we know you people in the industry out there listening. So if you that last clip had some stuff key to you, but yeah, this clip now. So well, hold on, hold on. What? What? Let's keep it on that last clip for a second sure. because okay. uh, that that last clip. I, I, my favorite part though is is talking about the uh, the dynamics of not having to move your own cases. <laughs> anymore <laughs> well it is a weird thing if you're a light guy you're kind of caught in between you're yeah, sort you're of between a, crew and, and you're also creative you're definitely you're, part of the creative elements of the show and it's a jam and audience the live element of the show well, is pretty important well here's the question i have for a young ld that comes into into it right are they like uh Kuro doesn't have to move his shit why would i he you know like no dude you're a freaking but light here's guy. the flip side here's the reality there's only so many really good lighting designer jobs out there and so our job it, will be to talk exact... to all of them rob i'd love to radiohead and what's his name i forget that's all right so do i shut for guessing all right getting on to this next clip um, you know what if they if they want me to remember his name they could tour more they don't tour enough radiohead they're touring this summer. Yes, and getting on so to this next clip, Rob, I'm really glad Kuroda took my advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is kind of the point. And it was actually Josh Thane from Wonder Dog Sound Studio, our engineer. It was his idea to bring this, um, to make this a tweener episode because the Baker's Dozen's coming out where Fish is doing 13 at the Garden. I think they'll add a couple more, one or two more, don't you? You know what? Maybe Why not? You know what? They're in New York. They might as well make it 18 and make it a happy high. New York, the second best city in the world for bagels. Hey. Anyways, um, so in this, so. and I said it again. That anyways, so, so now I'm now I'm cognizant of it at least. Anyways, I would so. go back and listen to the episode and hear myself say anyways and didn't remember saying it. It was anyways. like a blackout thing. So you know, we're gonna start a, a fund to raise money to get me to stop saying anyways. Uh, there's other things we can raise a fund for you. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, Rob Life Fund. <laughs> <laughs> Save <Ouch>. Rob. <laughs> Just have a beach whale. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> With a tie-dye on. Uh, okay, so. Or a Bob Weir shirt. So here you guys go. A little more Corotta. No, guys... wait a minute. Oh, when are okay, we going to get to something? Okay. What, what Rob else are we going to say? Rob has no, notes. because you kind of stumble into this next question awkwardly but it's a really good question and it leads into the garden uh, you guys you're going to hear at the beginning of this clips it sounds like seth is a buffoon but chris was really digging what he seth got around to asking and and chris kind of lights up and that's why this clip is part of this episode bring it chris lights up very very well well said all right here you guys go
that I noticed. This is kind of a funny way to say it, but so I'm standing out in the VIP, kind of in front of the VIP area, so give you a real back, you know, stage left area. And the beer vendor puts on the first night one. Beer vendor pops on their their their, you know, the big generator light, and and now it's pushing out this way, you know, from going towards the stage. You know, obviously they adjusted that. But my point on this was it got me thinking. Okay, light's always coming out, but like in an arena, you're you're in this tight space. You could actually push light, kind of, you know, moving it around and kind of bringing it in, and that'd be kind of a cool effect. Oh, absolutely. No question. Nice thing about, for example, Madison Square Garden is they, for the sports, have lights all over the arena. And they've just recently allowed touring acts to oh, come really? through the building that if you want to, you can tie into it and use it. That's we awesome. used it very sparingly last New Year's with our Hourglass New Year's game. Right, right. Well, we roll through there uh, the next time. We uh, plan on really digging into that. Now that I have a lot of programming for it for the sports, <laughs> you've got oh, your really? fingerprint all over the place. Right, there. integrating yeah. what we're doing and uh, try try to maybe do some effects just like you described. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Talking about other light, um, the logo of the festival, although it's lit real cool, real mellow, that is kind of above your light show. And when you played Bonnaroo, I don't remember. Did you allow Bonnaroo to put their logo? What do you uh, feel about stuff that's not part of your light show being on the stage? I always want to turn it off. But that's just a personal thing. But you're the headline. If you want to turn it off, I imagine they would. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, there are political reasons that go way above my head uh, of people that think it should be on. So, you know, the lock-in logo, lock-in folks think it should be on, and that's then, sure, okay, why not? Bonnaroo has been gracious enough at times to turn it off for our set because we asked them to. But, again, if those folks that are much higher up the totem pole than me decide that they need that logo lit, fine. You know, 20 years ago, I would say, yes, that really bothers me. The new 50-year-old version of myself just rolls it's with the It's part of punches. the growing. Yep. Yeah. And it's not the often that you play festivals other than, well, Bonnaroo or Lachlan. It's not a fish fest. We so. did an ACL a few years ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I but, forgot about that. Yep. That was the other one. And I know you can't say what, but has the band decided what they're going to do on Halloween in the second set? Uh, I do not know the answer to that question. But he is working on the video content, so don't worry yeah, about he's that. he's got the video content. <laughs> he has no idea yeah. what's going to happen. Chris, I have a closing question and yeah, closing comment. So you, ahead, closing question first. When was the last time you went to, not counting 1975, when was the last time you went to a show and were just knocked out by the light show, and what show was it? Thinking, thinking, thinking. Uh, probably Radiohead. I knew, uh, I and uh, they always knock me out with the light show. Fantastic. So.
So there it was. That was Chris Carotta. Just a lighter version of the full episode for you all. Yeah, you got to go back and listen to the original again. Baby, come back. So we have a schedule laid out a little bit. We've got some great episodes coming up. Or what? what I did it again. There, I did that again. It's okay. Listen. I hate me. Yeah, hate yourself. But we do have an interview with Al and Jim, two separate interviews from Mo coming up. We have reading them on Sunday. And Still I, to be determined is Monday with Big Gigantic. With, that should happen. Wait, that would be Monday this Monday? That's this Monday. Oh, shit. That's really? a, it's all right, Rob. I, I have a rapport with them, so you don't have to yeah, do too much rapport research. Rapport is only so much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, a Seth rapport, lack of research interview sounds like a goddamn nightmare, quite frankly. Well, Rob, maybe you should go to Asheville, or are you still going to go to Asheville this weekend to see Voodoo Visionary and Humphreys McGee? Uh, oh, Voodoo Not Vi- together. Voodoo is playing a late night show, but I'm excited to help them promote it because they're friends. They're a part of Atlanta, and I think they're wonderful, and they're only going to get better. Their CD and I want release. Them to slam. I, I think Humphreys fans will love them. Their CD release party is this Friday, but where this uh, I'll be at that CD release. I'm actually emceeing it, um, which I don't even know if they know. Get everybody's name first. Get the name right. That's kind of rule one of emceeing, Seth. Get the name of the people right. Listen, Chuck, I really appreciate your concern. Thanks. You're welcome. Speaking um, of Chuck, Chuck Garvey. I'd like to get him, but we got Jim this time. Jim yeah, Laughlin. Jim. Jim, which I, how many interviews has Jim really done? I don't know, done? but I love you. First of all, uh, there was a little period of time years and years ago where I was around that band a lot, and Jim was the one guy I ended up hanging out with the most. And he is just a really, he's very low key, but he's very, very, very cool, very bright, mm-hmm. very nice guy. And my favorite member of the band, not just for the, because of the vibes, but mainly because of the vibes. And a little, 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 little secret for you, Rob, that you don't know. Oh my God. 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 <laughs> when I got my start in the music business, happened to be because a band called Dexter Grove. Came through Tallahassee, Florida. I remember Dexter Grove. I booked them, and between them and another friend of mine saying, you need to read this book Bill Graham Presents. And I'll save the story for for when I'm with Jim because it'll tie together. But Dexter used to play... Dexter Grove used to play with Jim all the time, and that's how I connected first with Jim. Um, But it's also how I really got my feet into this business. So I'm a little mo ignorant because i've been already starting on my well, research you're of such course. A moron. well I, I there's a drummer on one album i don't remember there's oh. another album where jim is the only drummer vinny's not listed really i didn't i didn't realize even though i saw them as far back as uh well i don't want to say I, I want al to <laughs> guess my first show wow jeez you know, he's, always I, talking, I, he's always talking about people's 100th show. I want him to talk about yeah. my first show. I do remember seeing Mo back in 98, and when I first heard their album, I was like, it was, God is good. I was like, are they a Christian band? <laughs> yeah, I haven't always dug a lot of their lyrics, but I think starting with a conk album, I think they've really hit their stride lyrically. And the Modown. We're you know, Modown is such an amazing event and believe it or not, it's been you know, it's coming back this year, but it's yeah, I went I went into the two thousand. It's been a while. Like Modown's been around for a while. Yeah, and summer camp. And speaking of summer camp, there's an elephant in the room, South. <laughs> My precious Humphreys McGee was greatly, greatly helped by Mo. Mm-hmm. So for that alone. Rob, is it okay? I'm gonna put a. I'm gonna put a buzzer. I'm gonna put my dog's vibrator. Um, not my dog. It's not a vibrator. Oh my gosh! It's not like what that. did you just say? My dog has a vibrator. I'm weird with my dog. Vibration collar, so that when it misbehaves, into tra- it's a training tool, folks. It's a training tool. It really sounds really like a long walk to the store. Is what it then sounds like. And I'm gonna put it on you. And anytime you say Humphreys McGee, I'm zapping. And anytime you, you say Jam Cruz, 
Or How many times do I see Zam, Zam Cruise? Jam every Cruise episode, I hear about it from everybody. <laughs> I just got off Cloud Nine Adventures. What do you expect? And by the way, on that note, if you go to our Facebook page, there is a, a video of me doing the auction at the Avett Brothers gig where I auctioned off a banjo for, I think it was 7000 or 9000 Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that because Seth, Seth got to rub salt in a wound on me. Did you know? <laughs> you might even have noticed you did it. No, Because you remember, I who was I excited to see at Lockin? And I wanted to interview. It was actually my number one priority to interview. Gary Clark Jr.? No, well, okay. Number two. I'll give you a hint. She canceled. Oh, uh, Brandy Carlisle. So you go to this. I didn't know she was a lesbian. All of a sudden, she goes on stage, and I swear it's a stampede of women running to the front. It was crazy. that doesn't mean Ani DeFranco isn't a lesbian, and the and the women run at her like as though she was lesbian. No, bisexual. Bisexual. Meet me at bi. I think she's pretty straight, though. I think she's down with her husband. Mm. I'm sure she's dabbled or dibbled. (laughs) <laughs> okay, we're not going to get there. That's anyway, for the Cincinnati Reds fans. Hey. Um, yeah, so Branda, Brandy, Brandy Carlisle. Yeah, she did, did she do a set on her own as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize her band's been together like for 15 years. Yeah, dude, she's wonderful. She's they did these things but, with triple harmonies that was just bam, So Seth's texting me, and then she also, even though I'm not a huge Avitz guy, I, I love what their, their influence on music, and they're getting young people in the They track. are a soundtrack to people's lives. Yeah. Did I talk about that yet? Anyway, listen to the last episode, and if I didn't, I'll listen to it, and then we'll do it next time. Right, Go ahead. right. We'll get around to it. But the Avits, there's a lot to like about them. I just, I'm not all hopped up on them. And, and their father has been very good to my friend John Shane, the musician from North Carolina. I mean, uh, there's a lot to love about them. They don't, I'm not, I'm not a big, huge fan. But you're when you're texting me, when, <laughs> when you're texting me that Brandy Carlisle's sitting in with them, and where were you? In Mexico, in the middle, Season in Paris? Brandy Carlisle with David, that sounds pretty sweet, man. That sounds pretty awesome. Jason Isabel, Isabel. Uh, who just there. announced a bunch of dates, including he's playing LaGrange, Georgia, dude. I might go down. That's your spot. I've never been to LaGrange. Maybe we should see if we can get an interview I with him go, there. And should we interview Jason in LaGrange, Georgia? That'd be awesome. Dude, look at that. You he say a lot really, of stuff, though. But he doesn't really do interviews, though. That's the problem. O'Teal's coming to Atlanta, too, by the way. Well, then I'll text him right now. This O'Teal <laughs> thing is, we're having it out on the air on the O'Teal thing. I want O'Teal. I know you want he's O'Teal. He's coming to Atlanta. You know him. Get the damn interview. All right. And on that note, folks, we've got a lot of stuff coming up. I do want to encourage you all to please check, uh, what do you call it, follow, friend us? What the fuck is it on Twitter? Yeah, it's follow. All right, so follow us on Twitter. Oh, also, um, people, Inside people keep, Out WTNS. Yes, yeah, and people keep telling me, you, you really, if you actually genuinely like, sincerely like this show, could you please go on iTunes and review it? That will help us greatly. It would be very, and uh, you can do it also in Stitcher. Or just review. And this is the time to say it, because anybody who's listening this long, you must like the show. Matter of fact, if you're listening this long, email us at insideoutwtns at gmail.com. We'll send you a free pack of rock cards. No, Well, you know what? Yeah, I'll send them a free pack of rock cards. Also, I've got a bunch of stuff for our Street Shimon, which is no longer in business, but we are selling it. So if you're looking for a street team database and a software, email us on that. But on a side note, though, uh, I do have a lot of uh, some swag that we're happy to send you. Uh, Wakarusa t-shirts, old stuff, posters from Hangout Festival the first year, all sorts of stuff. Or if you want the greatest street team performance ever, contact me directly. Uh, Yeah, that's true, too. But, you know. Voodoo Visionary is about to find out. Well, uh, on that note, though, Rob, I do like Voodoo, um, and I think our fans, uh, listeners here, should be exposed to them. I don't know about doing a whole episode yet. Till, yeah, I till... do. We're going to do it. Um, can <laughs> I bring some rock cards and hand, it out, hand them out in Asheville? No. No, you can't. Come on. Not Nope. I, you, you have enough to hand out, including 
inside out WTNS cards. So the few I have left. Why don't you just focus on things that you're supposed Can to? Can you do? give me more cards when I go back to my house to get the laptop you forgot to bring over here? Your house? Your house. Yes, my house. What did I say? You said your house. I did. Brick house. Whose house? What house? Hey everybody, thanks for listening. We're looking forward to a lot more with you all. And again, big thanks to Live for Live Music. We're I'm becoming a big fan. I, I I'd always checked out the site, but now I'm like reading more and more and more and starting to dig it. Starting to dig it more. And they've got a lot of stuff coming up, including Fool's Paradise, which uh, we're looking at perhaps doing a little bit of a, a special on that going into it. I've got um, some stuff up our sleeve for that, so we'll talk about that in, in a little later. So, yeah, listen. You guys have listened long enough, and I say listen too much. So listen to me say listen no more. Just don't say anyways. Good God. Don't, don't fall into that trap. And as we say, arrivederci. Inside out.